Hi there, this is the Advantage Podcast. We're hacking the art and neuroscience of expert leadership so that you can unstuck your true potential in life and work. I'm Dr. John Kay, I'm your host, and welcome to this episode. Pride and prejudice. You are biased. Now, before you go off in a huff and rant against my assertion, do please let me explain. Everyone has biases. Actually, you have to, or else your brain would drain all of your energy. The purpose of this edition of the Advantage podcast is to highlight the top 10 cognitive biases, shortcuts and heuristics seen active in leaders so that you are aware of the likely common unconscious bias in your own decision-making and behaviour. Our process will be, will get you to check through each of the top 10 biases and you identify those that you are aware may be greatly influencing your thinking. Be ready to use the secret power of the pause to reflect on every decision and thought process to make better, less biased decisions. And your payoff, while being aware of your own biases, will also make you aware of others. Not fix them, Please don't, that is not your job, but to be aware and make sure that you reframe your communication and be prepared to challenge unwarranted assumption or faulty thinking with love and kindness, of course. Prejudice is one example of cognitive bias that is most often a preconceived, unfavourable opinion about another person or group. It enables you to judge another person almost instantly based on very limited data, which is very efficient but often very seriously flawed, yet we all have them. Blame your parents, your upbringing, society, politicians, culture, your race, language, TV, Hollywood, the interweb, Facebook, whatever you like. You still have biases. Some are potentially helping you make better, quicker decisions. Others could be, and almost certainly are, undermining your true potential. See, your brain hates ambiguity, and it's willing to take shortcuts to remove them from the situation. If there's insufficient information to go on, you will use what is available and, unconsciously, Fill in the blanks from your memories and your beliefs until you recognise a pattern and come jump to an internal representation. The list of cognitive biases that have been identified is incredibly long and it grows monthly. You can see this on the Wikipedia article on a list of cognitive biases. The link is in the show notes. But I've come across 10 repeatedly in my coaching with leaders that 
could really use your conscious attention. Now, in his fabulous book, Thinking Fast and Slow, Daniel Kahneman shows that your brain works using two different systems. System 1 and System 2. Yeah, I know, they're terrific names, aren't they? System 1 is fast thinking, mostly unconscious. It's prone to biases and errors, and it can be exploited by others to influence your responses and choices. System 2 is slower thinking, but much more reliable. And it's supposed to monitor system one, but often it doesn't bother when it's feeling a bit lazy or it's overloaded. It's because your brain is programmed to minimize effort. And system two, the slow thinking part, requires more effort and energy. Hence, system one runs the show by default. And therein lies the problem. What biases, shortcuts and heuristics have you grown and developed over your years of life and experience that aren't being monitored by you? You just carry on with your day allowing your faster, unconscious system one to get you through today. And you might not even see the trail of destruction that's left in your wake. Over the past 30 plus years, I've worked with a lot of leaders and the biases I've seen most in action can undermine your potential career as a leader and sabotage your success. They were all useful for you at some point along the way, but many have outlived that usefulness and can do with an overhaul and a serious upgrade. Now, from this group of top 10 biases, which do you immediately realise that you have operating in some way? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is become consciously aware that you may be prone to making decisions using these biases and using the secret power of the pause on another podcast. You can now hold onto your tongue just an extra moment or three. Is there something that you might be missing here? Is there a possible alternative viewpoint? Have I considered all the angles? And then you test your new decision in a different frame and ask yourself the question, how does it feel now? Oh, and please do not concern yourself that you were taking time to think and be silent when you do this. Your audience whoever that is, whether it's a big group or one individual, is already beginning to think that you could just be the wisest person they know. And they are about ready to listen. Now, on the show notes, you'll find uh, there's an interactive presentation, and I recommend that you look at that as you go, go through this, or just follow the link. It's called the H2H interface, how people think. That's a human-to-human interface. See, I have an internal state. My internal state, my physiology, my behavior and my actions are determined by my internal representation of an external event. 
So what is happening inside your brain? There is an external event around you. There is something happening. You process that through your senses, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your touch, everything. And the first thing you do is you delete a lot of information. You're making a decision what is important, what's not important. Then you are distorting information. You actually make information from outside fit with your current map, the way you like to look at the world. Then you're going to generalize. You'll make sense of little data. And then you've got your filters. Your filters are special to you. There are five major filters that we're concerned about here, whether you are specific or global, that is you like detail or you like big picture, whether you're more introvert or extrovert, that's where you get your energy, not necessarily how you behave. Your other filter, you have similarity difference. You look for sameness or you're looking for difference. One big powerful filter I keep coming across, the necessity possibility. I must do something or I choose. You will veer to one side or the other. And the fifth filter is towards or away from. You either want to go towards your goal or you are away from something you don't want. So when you've deleted, distorted, generalized and filtered information, your brain now says, well, this is what I see and hear and smell and taste. That's your internal representation. Which makes you feel something. It triggers feelings. You might feel happy. You might feel sad. You might feel angry. You might feel defensive. Whatever you are feeling at that point, the emotions have already started. The chemicals are already coursing through your brain and your body. Then you act. Your behavior is triggered after the emotion. So emotions happen based on your internal representation and your behavior is based again on your internal representation. Nearly all of this is unconscious. You haven't even had to think. In some, your internal state and your physiology, your behavior and actions are all determined by the internal representation of the external event. It's how you perceive reality. Now, the big thing is, is that we actually need to save energy because this process is actually quite energy intensive. So what we have are heuristics, shortcuts and cognitive biases. The external event is triggered by these biases and your physiology and your behavior are more rapidly enacted thanks to your cognitive biases. So I'm going to start with the in-group bias, not because it's the first or the last, but it just is. You unfairly favor those who belong to your group. That's what this does. We presume that we're fair and impartial, but the truth is that we automatically favor those who are most like us or belong to our groups. 
This blind tribalism has evolved to strengthen social cohesion. However, in a modern and multicultural world, it can have the opposite effect. Try to imagine yourself in the position of those out groups, whilst also attempting to be dispassionate when judging those who belong to your in group. Next on our list, we have the confirmation bias. You favour things that confirm your existing beliefs. See, we're primed to see and agree with ideas that fit our preconceptions and to ignore and dismiss information that conflicts with them. You could say that this is the mother of all biases, as it affects so much of our thinking through motivated reason. To help counteract its influence, we ought to presume ourselves wrong until proven right. Think of your ideas and beliefs as software you're actively trying to find problems with rather than things to be defended. The first principle is that you must not fool yourself. And you are the easiest person to fool, according to Richard Feynman. Next on our list, we have the curse of knowledge bias. Trouble is, once you understand something, you presume it to be obvious to everyone. Things make sense once they make sense. So it can be hard to remember why they didn't. We build complex networks of understanding and forget how intricate the path to our available knowledge really is. This bias is closely related to the hindsight bias, wherein you will tend to believe that an event was predictable all along once it has occurred. We have difficulty reconstructing our own prior mental states of confusion and ignorance once we have clear knowledge. When teaching someone something new, go slow and explain like they're 10 years old without being patronising. Repeat key points and facilitate active practice to help embed knowledge. Next, the availability heuristic. Your judgments are influenced by what springs most easily to mind. How recent, emotionally powerful or unusual memories are can make them seem more relevant. This in turn can cause you to apply them too readily. For instance, when we see news reports about homicides, child abductions and other terrible crimes, it can make us believe that these events are much more common and threatening to us than is actually the case. Try to gain different perspectives and relevant statistical information rather than relying purely on first judgments and emotive influences. Next we have the self-serving bias. You believe your failures are due to external factors. Yet you're responsible for your successes. Well done you. Many of us enjoy unearned privileges, luck and advantages that others do not. It's easy to tell ourselves that we deserve these things whilst blaming circumstance when things don't go our own way. Our desire to protect and exalt our own egos is a powerful force in our psychology. Fostering humility can help countermand this tendency, whilst also making us nicer humans. When judging others, be mindful of how this bias interacts with the just world hypothesis, fundamental attribution error, and the in-group bias. Next, let's look at functional fixedness. If a conclusion supports your existing belief, you'll rationalise anything that supports it. 
So it's difficult for us to set aside our existing beliefs to consider the true merits of an argument. In practice, this means that our ideas become impervious to criticism and are perpetually reinforced. Instead of thinking about our beliefs in terms of true or false, it's probably better to think of them in terms of probability. For example, we might assign a 95% plus chance that thinking in terms of probability will help us think better, and a less than 1% chance that our existing beliefs have no room for any doubt. Thinking probabilistically forces us to evaluate more rationally. A useful thing to ask is, when and how did I get this belief? We tend to automatically defend our ideas without ever really questioning them. The anchoring bias. The first thing you judge influences your judgment of everything that follows. Human minds are associative in nature, so the order in which we receive information helps determine the course of our judgments and perceptions. For instance, the first price offered for a used car sets an anchor price, which will influence how reasonable or unreasonable a counteroffer might seem, even if we feel like an initial price is far too high. It can make a slightly less than reasonable offer seem entirely reasonable in contrast to the anchoring price. Be especially mindful of this bias during financial negotiations, such as houses, cars and salaries. The initial price offered has proven to have a significant effect. Let's look at the optimism bias. You overestimate the likelihood of positive outcomes. There can be benefits to a positive attitude, but it's unwise to allow such an attitude to adversely affect our ability to make rational judgments. They're not mutually exclusive. Wishful thinking can be a tragic irony insofar as it can create more negative outcomes, such as in the case of problem gambling. If you make rational, realistic judgments, you'll have a lot more to feel positive about. The actor-observer bias. You judge others on their character, but you judge yourself on the situation. See, if you haven't had a good night's sleep, you know why you're being a bit slow. But if you observe someone else being slow, you don't have such knowledge, and so you might presume them to be just a slow person. Because of this disparity in knowledge, we often overemphasize the influence of circumstances for our own failings as well as underestimating circumstantial factors to explain other people's problems. It's not only kind to view other situations with charity, it's more objective too. Be mindful to also err on the side of taking personal responsibility rather than justifying and blaming. Last on our list of the top 10 again, not necessarily in order, is the Dunning-Kruger effect. The more you know, the less confident you're likely to be. Because experts know just how much they don't know, they tend to underestimate their ability. But it's easy to be overconfident when you have only a simple idea of how things are. 
Try not to mistake the cautiousness of experts as a lack of understanding, nor to give much credence to lay people who appear confident but have only superficial knowledge. Bertrand Russell said, The whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are so certain of themselves, yet wiser people are so full of doubts. Everybody has prejudice. Each has their own set of cognitive biases and heuristics and shortcuts. And remember, these things are essential to save us time and very valuable energy in the brain. They are efficient, but often flawed. On the show notes, there's an interactive presentation. I recommend you go to it and look at all the cognitive biases and click on them one by one. And that will give you that background that I've just gone through. But take your time and think about those that, mm, yes, I, I do seem to have that. It will be very powerful and very useful for you to know about yourself and also to be on the lookout for them with other people. Remember, my internal state and my physiology, how my body feels and my behaviour, the actions I take, are determined by my internal representation of the external event. Consider the biases here and note those that you now notice that you hold. And check your own thinking each time that you come across these situations that may involve the use of these biases. And as you spot them, use the secret power of the pause interrupt your unconscious thought patterns and deliberately assess your thinking. Adjust your response and behaviour as needed. At the beginning, don't fret too much about your physiology. That will have already happened. But eventually you will overcome your bias and perhaps create new ones that serve you better. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Advantage Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. John Kay. Do get in touch at leadershipadvantage.com. Bye for now and be greatly blessed.